Shalom, I'm Yoni, and you're listening to Kabbalah Pod. Welcome to this week's episode of Kabbalah Pod. Uh, yesterday was Tuba Shvat. I'm late in posting because I was ill, so my apologies for that. But I wanted to talk about it. It's a very um, it's a holiday with deep Kabbalistic value to it. And a lot of uh, Kabbalists and those of a Hasidish uh, background, Minhag, they will do a Seder. A lot, a lot of folks nowadays will do a Seder for Tbishvat, and there'll be a plate of the different produce of Israel, will be Shechianu, and there's all these components. And there's this value to the Seder. So many people talk about the Seder, so I'm not going to talk about the Seder at this time. I actually want to use the semiotic Kabbalah, the semiotic relational Kabbalah, and I want to explore another component here, which is, what is Tu B'Shvat? We say it's the Jewish New Year for trees, but that's not entirely true, and we say it's the birthday for trees, and that's not entirely true. Technically, it's the birthday for the tree, as an eight time, as in the tree of life. And I discussed this on Yidbrick, so be sure to take a look at my post on Yidbrick if you haven't read it yet. It has a direct connection and correlation. But there's this concept of the tree of life, maybe that's also more than life, because we, we sing the song, We say that this is a tree of life, and we say this regarding Torah. And so Torah is a tree of life, is the tree of life in a way. And so while we can't access the physical tree, it's time now, we can access Torah, which is its modern representation to us. Within semiotics, we say, hey, there's some symbolism going on here. We should explore it. What is Torah? From a semiotic lens, Torah is life, but Torah is also the knowledge of good and evil. We have both together because we have no life outside of Torah, but Torah is what tells us what's good and what's not good. And so... We get that concept and we say maybe on a semiotic end, maybe the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil could be the same tree. Now, I'm not a rabbi and I don't have an advanced study and knowledge of this, so I really don't want to dive into it because it's not my wheelhouse, so to say. And so I'll leave that debate up for others because there's a lot of halakhic implications and ramifications, and maybe I'm entirely wrong here. But semiotically, there's something here that we should explore and discuss. That said, let's dive back into Tubishvat. And another way somebody can directly and immediately celebrate Tubishvat, but also make a lifelong change for the better that can ultimately save the world. And that's sustainability. And I discuss this on Yidbrick, and I give a couple quick examples and leave it at that. But I wanted to take the opportunity to come to you and plead to you in this regard. As observant Jews, we sometimes don't rely on science or the signs and wonders around us that say, hey, the world is reaching a level that we can't step back from. And that's regarding climate change, which is now the climate crisis, the climate disaster, whatever it is you want to call it. Mankind was given the obligation and the noble responsibility to watch out and take care of this world. And we are failing in that regard. We are destroying the world. And once this world's destroyed, there's no going back from that. And this is highly problematic. I mean, the, the, we even have 
very clear concepts that we have the obligation to care for the world. Um, Rabbi Tzvi Fisher shared some source sheets with me. He's from Portland, Kolal. He discussed this and uh, he gave what does Torah say regarding care of the world. And so he says in Barashis, chapter 2, verse 15, so Genesis 2.15, Hashem, God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work and protect it. Deuteronomy 20.19, when you wage war against a city, you have to besiege it a long time in order to capture it. You must not destroy its trees wielding the axe against them. You may eat of them, but you must not cut them down. Are trees of the field human to withdraw before you into a besieged city? Ecclesiastes 7.13, consider God's work, who can fix what one has misaligned. Pirkei Avos discusses this 2.16. He, Rabbi Tarfon, used to say, it is not your duty to finish the work, but neither you at liberty neglect it. Kohalas, uh, Rabbah 7.28, when God created the first human, he took him and showed him all the trees of the Garden of Eden. And he said to him, see my works, how beautiful and praiseworthy they are. And everything that I created, I created it for you. Be careful not to spoil or destroy my world, for if you do, there will be nobody after you to repair it. Then there's also, see my works, how fine they are. This very component right here, see my works, how fine they are. Now I've created it. I've created for your benefit. Think upon this and do not corrupt and destroy my world. For if you destroy it, there will be no one to restore it after you. Rav Samson, Raphael Hirsch, Rav Hirsch discusses this. And he says, do not destroy anything. That's the first and most general call of God, which comes to you, human, when you realize yourself as master of the earth. If she, you should now raise your hand to play childish game childish game, to indulge in senseless rage, wishing to destroy that which only you you should only use, wishing to exterminate that which you should only utilize, then God's call proclaims to you, do not destroy anything. If we should regard the beings beneath you as objects without rights, not perceiving God who created them, and therefore desire they feel the might of your presumptuous mood, instead of using them only as a means of wise human activity, then God's call proclaims to you. Do not destroy anything. Be a mensch. If only you use the things around you for wise human purposes, be sanctified by the word of my teaching, then only then are you a mensch and have the right over them which I have given you as a human. However, if you destroy, if you ruin, at that moment you are not a human, but an animal and have no right to mastery over the things around you. I lent them to you for wise use only. Never forget, I lent them to you. As soon as you use them unwisely, be it the greatest or the smallest, you commit treachery against my world. You commit murder, murder and robbery against my property. You transgress against me. This is what God calls to you. With this call, does God represent the greatest and smallest creations against you and grants the smallest and also the greatest creations a right against your presumptuousness? In truth, there is no one nearer to idolatry than one who can disregard the fact that things are the creatures and property of God, and who presumes also to have the right, having the might, to destroy them according to presumptuous act of will. Yes, that one is already serving the most powerful idols, anger, pride, and above all ego, which is in itself passion, regards itself as the master of all things. This is very powerful statement. So we have very clear Torah concepts and Talmudic precepts. And then this vort from Rav Hirsch, 
is not just how we treat animals, it's how we treat the world. Do we destroy or do we restore? Because there's no one else other than us that can restore. And it's time, way past time, that we take this knowledge and we take this responsibility and we take this obligation and we look at the world around us and say, no longer can I stand idly by and see the world destroyed for the sake of my convenience. No longer do we have the right to destroy this garden, which God said, only we can take care of and only we can repair. God's not going to come in in the Messianic era and restore the world to its former glory. The Torah clearly says otherwise. God's going to say, this is your responsibility and you must take care of it. And we wholeheartedly are failing in our duty to take care of this world. What we do with plastics, what we do with oil, what we do with meat and milk is damaging, possibly irreparably soon to the environment. Scientists in 2019 said we have less than a decade to make a drastic change for the better. Whether we'll make that change or not, they said we have a decade. Whether we make that change or not, I don't know if we'll hit. But I know that anybody who's observant of God's Torah, Jew or non-Jew, anybody who cares what Hashem loves, Jew or non-Jew, those people have the responsibility to live sustainably and take care of the environment. It's not just about planting a tree on Arbor Day, and it's not just about having a Seder on Tibishvat. It's about changing your everyday life and inconveniencing yourself for the sake of the greater good. Single-use plastics don't need to exist. Most plastics don't need to exist. We don't need to be farming oil the way we do. We can use cars less. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Rabbi Fisher and his drash talked about maybe we walk on Shabbat. That's a great way to fulfill Torah and be sustainable. But also maybe we are cautious with how we heat and how we cool, how we drive if we drive. Do we carpool? Do we take mass transit? Do we use renewable energies for our everyday electronics versus once and dones? Do we stop using fresh plastics that are disposed and instead if we need something disposable like if we need a fork that can only be used once or whatever maybe it's for a kosher thing maybe not perhaps you buy one that's made from renewable materials and from plant starches i know that there are stores that carry these at an extremely affordable price i buy renewables it's made from plant starches it's made from recycled materials and it's compostable does that the first step? No. The first step, we, we have three things in our recycling concept, which is reduce, reuse, and recycle. And first, we need to reduce. What are we using that we don't need to? Once we've done that, then we reuse. What can we use again that we're not? And then we recycle. Because just because it has a recycle logo, it's not a copyrighted logo, it's not a hexer, it doesn't guarantee but it's recyclable. So I encourage, I plead with listeners of this podcast, this Tubishvat, that you make a commitment, you machabal yourself to fulfill your solemn divine duty to tend to this garden and restore it. Thank you for listening to Kabbalah Pod on Anchor FM. If you enjoy this podcast, 
please rate us on iTunes and share with your friends. Have a question or topic idea? We'd love to hear your input and ideas. Send us a tweet, message Yipperk on Facebook, or leave us a voicemail on the Anchor app. Not on social media? That's okay. Send us your ideas at yidbrick.com slash kabbalah. Become a monthly supporter on Anchor FM or by visiting yidbrick.com slash donate. You can also show your support by sharing our podcast with others and by purchasing our custom-made Kabbalah bracelets or Yiddish artisan beard balm at yidbrick.com slash store. This podcast is a project of Yidbrick, building Jewish bridges. Learn more at yidbrick.com slash kabbalah.